Hey, spooky people. It's me, Emily. It's me, Marissa. And and Loki. And that's Loki. <laughs> Climbing on the cat tree. And this is episode eight of Unknown Compelling Force. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Those were my air sirens. They air good. horns. They were good. <laughs> Thank you. I thought so. Uh, okay, so we haven't seen you guys since we talked about cults for a while. That got yeah. weird. There might have been some meltdowns and breakdowns and... It's fine. We're good. Mental health is a thing, but not in this house. But I, I think we're good now. I think so. I've, you know, I've actually heard stories of people who have good mental health. <laughs> I, I've never, could never, no. I, I don't think I've ever met one, but I hear they're no. out there. I've never met one. But then again, I don't know many people. But, yeah. That's me neither. <laughs> I enjoy sitting in my house and talking to no one except you and this recording device. <laughs> anyway... So, uh, what are we talking about this week, yeah. Emily? Ooh, I'm excited. We're talking about New Orleans. New Orleans. NOLA. The Crescent City. <laughs> oh my god, guys, I'm so excited. And that is because you've been. That's because I've been there, but also because I've always been fascinated with New Orleans. And mm -hmm. then, so when I got to go, holy shit, it was so exciting. I bet. I really need to get on that traveling. Really, So though. I can go there, because that, it's, it, it seems beautiful, and... It is a gorgeous city, and it's so, honestly, going there, this is weirdly deep, but it gave me that perspective of you can travel so much within this country and experience such wildly different places and wildly different cultures mm -hmm. within one country, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, if you think about, you know, different areas of this country. You get the whole voodoo culture yes. going on down there, spiritual. I love it. Yeah, I have, like, you know, my spooky bucket list of places I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And so far, I've crossed off two of those places, one being Eastern State Penitentiary. Which, now that we know each other, we must go, because must I've never go. been there. Did you know, at night, you can, like, it costs an arm and a leg, but you can do, like, <laughs> nighttime tours or an investigation? I don't have an arm and a leg to spare, but that sounds really fun. You just need to go find one. If you're passionate enough, <laughs> you will find a way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got, one of the places I got to scratch off was New Orleans. Uh, I went last year... 2019? Okay, so a year and a half ago? <laughs> I guess. What Matt year is Man. it? <laughs> Girl, I wish I knew. Um, so, a friend that I used to live with moved down to Louisiana. She lives in Lafayette because she goes to school down there. And so we went to go visit her in October, the spooky month. Perfect. Got to go to New Orleans, the spooky city, in the spooky month. Really, I was just living my very best yeah, life. Yeah, that's just <laughs> the perfect moment. It really was so great. And it's, you know, obviously the really famous part of the city, the touristy part is, uh, the French Quarter, mm -hmm. which is where all that good spooky shit is. Our topics that we've got here, I've got some places that I visited, and I have a memory like a steel trap, so <laughs> I remember a lot of the stuff that the tour guides talked about. All right, so, as many of folk know, New Orleans is, like, one of the most haunted cities in America, if not, like, the most haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Emily and I are each going to talk about different places or stories in New yeah. Orleans that are spooky. Like haunted landmarks, like yeah, very historical places. Yeah, which you must understand that in New Orleans, it's like every other house or building <laughs> is famously haunted. Yeah. It's like impossible to pick something. So, new, like the whole fucking city is spooky as hell and they're so aware of it, like they love it. Which, okay, actually... That's why I think it was really hard to do research for this, because I was, like, looking up 
such and such haunted place and I'm mm-hmm. just like trying to learn the history and like you know, personal encounters mm-hmm. and stuff in these places, but they're all just like the same paragraph of, yeah, so-and-so was born and raised here and then they died and it was scary. That'll be $50 to go on our ghost tour, please. We're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 7. Like, <laughs> I know. I just looked up like haunted places in New Orleans and it's like, here's a list of the 20 most haunted places in New Orleans. On one street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here are the 20 most haunted locations on Rampart Street alone. <laughs> But, so, I went into this knowing what ones I wanted to talk about, and I gave Emily a list of a few she could choose from as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since my pal's down still living in Louisiana... In the bayou. In the bayou. Not the bayou by you, the bayou by me. (laughs) Also, as soon as we landed, like, on the plane, I was like, Alexa, play Born on the Bayou by CCR, and I think we listened to that, like, 12 times while we were there. (laughs) Like, every time we were in an Uber, I was like, pass me the ox. (laughs) Anyway. So, since it was really hard to do research, I pulled a lot from my memory because there are fantastic tour guides down there. I can't believe they remember all of that stuff they need to tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would c- never. I could never. There, I literally can't hype this city up enough. I love it so much. So, actually, one of the most interesting stories that I've heard about New Orleans, which I wanted to cover in this episode, but there wasn't, like, enough substantial information to go off of, was that, did you know cabs like, cab companies will not pick up people in the French Quarter at night because they were, like, literally because they were losing too much money because Mm -hmm. they would pick up a ghost (laughs) who would vanish halfway through the ride and then not pay their fare. Like, a a cabbie would literally pick somebody up and be driving them somewhere and then they would vanish from the back seat halfway through the drive and the cabbie would be like, what the fuck? I think the only reason why I... Capitalism. I think the only reason why I put two and two together that they were picking up ghosts is because I remember a ghost story from when I was young about, like, a cab driver, like, picking up a woman from a um, a graveyard and dropping her off somewhere, and then apparently, like, her sweater was left in his car, so he went back, like, the next day to give it back to her, and some man answered the door, and he was like, this is this girl's sweater, and he's like, but she died ten years ago. Okay, Joey Tribbiani. She, she died ten years <laughs> yeah. ago. I That's love literally it. what it was, though. I love it. Which, that was actually a really common occurrence also in, J- I think it was Japan. After the tsunami thing? Yeah, after yeah. the tsunami. There was one specific story that I'm just recalling right now that a cab driver picked up a woman, and they were talking, and she was acting really strange, and he was saying something about the tsunami and, like, about how her address didn't exist anymore or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she just said, oh, have I died? <gasps> and he said, I don't know. And he looked, <laughs> in the, he looked in the rearview mirror and she was gone. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know what? That guy probably just sent that lady to the light. Yeah. She was probably stuck in limbo. That cab driver is the one who made her realize, you gotta go into the light, sis. Yeah. It's over for you here. And if you guys are interested in that, they do an episode on Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. There's an episode um, about that tsunami and about... Oh, wait, really? Yeah, about the ghosts that the people have been seeing after the tsunami. Did I hear the story from you then, maybe? I don't think so, because I don't think I finished the episode, because it was in Japanese, and they didn't, like, English dub it yet. Oh, okay. And you don't like to read while watching TV. No, I mean, I I don't mind it at all. I mean, I love Train to Busan. Well, well, you're always, like, 
painting and stuff while you're yeah. watching TV, so, so I feel like you're more listening to it. Especially when it's true crime and stuff like that, I'm usually doing something else while I'm listening to yeah. it, so It's just comforting background out. of yeah. people being murdered. Yeah, maliciously. pretty much. Uh, but yeah, so that was a really common thing in the whole French Quarter, so cabs will not pick you up That's at night crazy. in the French Quarter now. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Oh my god. Because um, New Orleans itself has had so much fucking trauma. Like, there's always been crime issues because they're, like, one of the first port cities open in the Gulf. So they were fucking rampant with pirates. Like, there were pirates, there was crime, there was, like, a few years of really bad yellow fever and cholera outbreaks, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, fucking Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, yeah. Which, oh my god, what even year was Hurricane Katrina? Like, maybe 2003? Yeah, I was gonna say, like, around the early 2000s, Honestly, I'm gonna look it up because I don't want to sound dumb. 2007? I don't know why that sticks out. More like Hurricane Tortilla. <laughs> oh, it was. It was 2005. 2005. So that close. was 15 years ago, and being in the city, that it's still, like, so present. Yeah. The city's, like, full of artists and people selling street art, and you can, like, buy, like, paintings that have been done on the roof tiles of buildings just demolished wow. by Hurricane Katrina. Wow. Like, they went around and collected scrap and turned it into art. Well, I think I definitely need to go there. If it wasn't for the spooky stuff, it's for the art. It's, honestly, the the friends I went with were big into jazz music and art, so it was just, like, something for everybody. We had spooky. We had jazz music. We had art. We had good food everywhere. Oh, yeah, I heard the food's fucking amazing. Oh, so good. There are a million fucking weird stories about what happened to us on Bourbon Street, but that's not what we're here about. Anyway, let me tell you about one of the best parts of New Orleans, and the entire reason I wanted to go there, no offense, Kristen, who I went to visit, um, they're cemeteries. Ooh, I'm so excited. So, obviously, cemeteries are spooky places, but I mm-hmm. feel like when we're talking about haunted places, cemeteries aren't really something we talk about. Mm-mm. Because, in general, what we see is ghosts haunting either a place they spent a lot of time that, like, kind of a piece of their soul is there. Yeah. Or somewhere that they went through a lot of trauma or yeah. the place where they died. Yeah. They're not just hanging around the random yard where their body <laughs> like, is. No, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know? So, in the terms of haunted cemeteries, there aren't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are some, but there aren't, like, a fuck ton. New Orleans is the exception. So, one of the, like I said, one of the most famous things about New Orleans, besides probably jazz and voodoo, cemeteries. Mm -hmm. Because unlike most graveyards where you just kind of see a lawn full of headstones, New Orleans has exclusively above-ground tombs. I love that, because you know I I love love me some mausoleums, so this is, yes. And they're like the mausoleums that we saw at Mount Hope, but they're much smaller, especially the ones in the city. They're so densely packed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look, like when you think of, a cemetery this is not what you think yeah and i'm on our instagram i'm probably gonna post some of the pictures i took there good idea um yeah. because i was dumb and never ended up posting them on like my personal instagram and they got to get out there okay they're they're quality people need to see they're so spooky we saw a lizard in there it was cute <laughs> it was so cute <laughs> um these cemeteries they're like i said they're very tightly packed with like walkways and these big stone mausoleums that comes straight out of Lake Pontchartrain, mm-hmm. uh, and there's like granite and marble. A lot of them are just like brick, like whitewashed with like stucco, and they kind of they really do look like tiny little houses. Mm-hmm. And they even have a lot of them have like little front steps and like these iron fences around the outside. Yeah, um, and they're very they're not as ornate as you would expect, but they look. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, thought went into it. Yeah. But it's not, like, the fancy things you see for a lot of mausoleums. 
like in regular cemeteries because I feel mausoleums in more common cemeteries are much bigger. You're mm-hmm. fitting multiple people inside. Yeah, they're for like they're families. The rich, rich. Yeah, like the Wegmans and Bosch yeah. and Loam over yeah. in Mount Hope. Uh, but these are for like kind of more regular people. So because of these appearances, Mark Twain, the famous author, mm-hmm. coined the term "cities of the dead." Because they really do look like little cities. I love it. They're fantastic. Um, they're kind of like, have you ever gone to like a museum, like a play museum or the science museum, and they have like the mini grocery store inside? No. <laughs> what? No. But, you know, when, you, when you're like a kid and you go to a little kid's museum and there's like the little mini town or like a mini grocery store. No. In Binghamton we had one and there was like a tiny price shopper. No. The Star Museum of, like, right down the street. Emily, they have a mini Wagmans. I know, Wagmans. I've seen the building, but I've never been in it. They have a mini Wagmans. It's so cute. Anyway. Oh, now I gotta go, because I like mini things. Yeah, so th- I'm telling you, you'd love these cemeteries. They look like a mini city, but, like, <laughs> corpses, which is fun. So, really, inside these cemeteries, there are two different kinds of tombs. So, there are the ones that look more like mausoleums, which were for people with kind of more money, mm-hmm. or, honestly, just families that would use them for generations, which we will talk about later. And then there are the, they're called wall vaults or oven vaults. Oh. Yeah. Which, I don't like that one. <laughs> they, it doesn't have anything to do with a to, with a, an oven. Exactly. It, the front of them look like an oven door. I just feel like that's a very strange term to use. It sure is. So the walls of these cemeteries, especially the ones we're going to talk about that are like in the city, they're surrounded by huge concrete walls. Mm-hmm. Whether to keep people out or to keep things in, you cannot be sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, and a lot of the walls, like I said, they're made of concrete, and they double as, like, big tombs. Yeah. So it's like you're staring at a wall that looks like a big grid of kind of plaques, and mm-hmm. behind the plaque is where a body goes. Okay. So it's like these walls, they kind of look like in a morgue. Yeah. You know, there's just like the little doors, and you slide mm-hmm. bodies in and out. It's kind of like that. Okay. Um, so they just kind of look like plaques. If you didn't know there was a body behind it, you might not know. So kind of like the, um, what are they called? Now the, nowadays in cemeteries, they have, like, the buildings with just rows. Oh, like the memorials for, like, people who were, like, cremated? Yeah, they just have, like, rows now. Like, you can get buried in, like, these buildings, and they just yeah. have rows upon rows that they kind of put your casket in. Oh, I didn't know they actually put caskets in those. I thought those were for, like, ashes. I think they do both. Okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it is It is like that, then. Yeah. Um, The wall vaults. And those, you know, it's just kind of a, like I said, a, a square plaque with a bunch of names and dates on them. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know there was a body back there, you would not know. <laughs> so those were for people, like, without a family tomb or people who didn't have quite as much money. Mm-hmm. But, like, so obviously you want to know why the fuck New Orleans has above-ground tombs, right? Yes. Is it because they're into spooky shit? Yes. Is it because they have weird <laughs> superstitions? Yes. <laughs> no. No. Wrong. <laughs> it's because it's totally environmental. So New Orleans is actually below sea level, which is actually why they got so fucked up during Katrina. Yeah. Uh, They're below sea level, meaning that the water table for the area is very high, which means if you dig a few feet down, you're in water. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, So soggy coffins are fucking gross. I bet. But also, that means after a heavy rain or two, the coffins would pop up out of the ground. (gasps) That's fucking awesome. Right. (laughs) And so when our tour guide was saying that, like, when people first moved there and were settling and creating this, you know, established civilization of white people. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't probably say white people because a lot of them were black too. What I'm saying is not natives. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so when they started burying people, 
there and the coffins were popping up, obviously people freaked the fuck out. Some people <laughs> thought it was a rapture. A lot of people thought it was vampires. They thought they buried people and they became vampires, so they were, like, coming back. I wish I was there. Right? During that time. Right? <laughs> and so they started being like, how the fuck are we going to keep these bodies down? So they tried putting rocks in the coffins. Oh, no. They start, tr- tried putting rocks on top of the coffins to keep them down, but it didn't work. Oh, the no. bodies would still pop up. And after, like, a really big rain, which in Louisiana is very common, after a really big rain, the coffins would pop up and there would be bodies, like, washing down the street. Yeah, and these coffins are probably just, you know, like, cheap wood, right? Yeah, they so were just, like, like, fucking balsa wood yeah, put together with all out. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, just be bodies washing around the street. And then they're like, oh why do God. we all have cholera? <laughs> why are we all dying of cholera, guys? Maybe it's the bodies. What, they're everywhere. Anyway, sorry. It's funny because even now, once in a while, a coffin will pop up in an area that they think is, like, outside of the higher water table. Yeah. So, you know, in other places in Louisiana where they think they're in, like, the safe zone. Yeah. And then they'll get, like, a fucking torrential downpour and someone's grandpa just pops up out of the ground to say, hey. In their fucking backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can you imagine? You just go out to feed the chickens. You'd be like. And there's grandpa. Oh my god, Gertrude, your great-great-grandpa just washed up. (laughs) All right, so now I'm sure you've got somehow more questions. (laughs) So how does this fucking work? (laughs) So I want to give a short explanation of how these graves work, since it's probably not what you expect, and it's fucking awesome, and it's creepy and gross. So these tombs are big, but like I said, they're not like other mausoleums that can hold a whole bunch of people, Mm -hmm. and they're not enough to hold a whole family. But like I said, there are graves still, like these tombs are still in use, and they're Mm -hmm. like family tombs. Oh. So, how the fuck they got all those bodies in there from, like, 200 years ago still being used? I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, I'm so, confusion. There is a NOLA. NOLA is New Orleans. I'm gonna refer to it as NOLA often. Good to know. Good New to Orleans, know. Louisiana is NOLA. So, there's a NOLA ordinance that says as long as a person has been dead inside the tomb for two years, their remains are taken out and put in a burial bag and set either to the side or behind the platform on which the coffin sits. Oh. So, to make room for the next one. That's kind of nice. Yeah. So, if it's been less than two years, the newly dead person goes into, like, a temporary tomb until they can be put in the family tomb. And the burial bags that they put their remains in mm-hmm. are actually where we get the term bag of bones. <gasps> wow. Isn't that cool? Uh, so, before this official system where they would, like, lovingly take out the little damp bones and put them in the little baggie and tie it up, whatever, mm-hmm. they would just kind of open the tomb and push the bones back with a broom. <laughs> so, there are, like, generations of bones. Oh, my goodness. Of families, just, like, all bones in a heap. Can I just say the thing I love about this idea of, like, Please say what I think you're going to say. The, we'll see. The things I love about them sort of, like, reusing the tombs I guess you can say is Mm -hmm. because like I don't know I think about this a lot it's like cemeteries are just growing and growing and like it's so sustainable yeah and like what if like just one day there's just gonna be fucking we're just gonna be surrounded by grave sites like that's why when I die please make me into a tree you know those things that they do yeah I wanna be that I wanna be stuffed (laughs) (laughs) I wanna be taxidermied and I want to be set up somewhere unsettling. I would love to see that. I want to be set up at the. Oh, I want to be set up at the Rochester International Airport, uh, in the exact place where that lady handed a guy a note that says "You ugly." Do you remember that? No, this was in the news. 
actually right before we went to New Orleans, it was like it was like international news that this TSA agent just handed a note to a guy and was like, "Are you gonna read it?" And he opened it and it just said, "You ugly." I want to do that to somebody. And it was and like two weeks later, we were going through that airport and I like mentioned it to Emily and the TSA girl turned around and was like, "Don't worry, that person's been fired." You know what I'm gonna do? I want to be stuffed and put right there. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna just hand someone a note and when they open it up, it just says, "Fuck you." <laughs> just fuck yourself. Anyway, um, so yeah, that was my exact thought, was that that is so, and I actually wrote it down, it's sustainable yeah. as hell. Yeah. Like, because, like, people are just gonna keep dying, and we're yeah. gonna fucking run out, like, look how big Mount Hope is. Yeah, We're oh gonna run God. out of land. And you're technically still being, um, respectful if you're yeah. taking the time to, like, put them in a nice bag. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you also, like... You, you know that when you die, you're going in that tomb, you're very aware of what's going to happen. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, your ghost would be pissed off and be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, don't act like you didn't know, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck aren't you in hell? <laughs> <laughs> so this is how a whole family can use one tomb for generations and why there are, like, multiple names and dates on each one. Mm-hmm. And also why the specific cemetery that I'm going to talk about is the oldest in New Orleans, but it, it still has active funerals today it's the oldest but the newest yeah isn't that cool (laughs) that's awesome um also just a fun little side note about these tombs so in new orleans it's really hot i bet we were there in october and we were wearing you know short shorts and we were sweltering that's crazy because it'd be freezing up here exactly no literally we like got on the plane and we're wearing like coats and jeans and then we got off the plane and we're dying So you can imagine how hot it gets in the summer, Mm. and you can imagine how hot it would get inside those nice little brick ovens they put your body in. So you, basically you turn to soup real quick. Oh, yeah. And the decomp is so fast, and that's why after two years, like, your bones are totally ready to move on. Okay. So it's kind of an accident, but it works out really, really well. So basically, yeah, that's just a little explanation of the NOLA cemeteries, because they are unique, and they are so fucking cool, and they are the main reason I wanted to go to New Orleans. Obviously, there are a fuck ton of cemeteries. The main one, and, like, the most famous and the most famously haunted, is St. Louis number one. Mm-hmm. So there are also St. Louis number two and three, mm-hmm. which are also dope. And I've been to all three, no biggie. Yeah, I'm a pro, but number one is, like, the most famous. You went number one and number two? And number three, whatever that means. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I wish y'all could have seen her face. Because <laughs> I was trying to think of a good answer. <laughs> You did great. Uh, okay, so St. Louis number one is located on Basin Street in NOLA near the French Quarter, which is, like, obviously the famous cool part of the city. So it's well-known, but it's really old. It was built in 1789 and was mm. the first cemetery in New Orleans, which fucking shows. Like, a lot of these tombs are crumbling, and it's, like, you can tell what tombs are being kept and what tombs are still kind of having active bur- burials. Yeah. And what ones have not even been thought about in generations. Aww. Like, some of them just look like a little heap of bricks. Aww. Like, it's, oh, it's cool, though. Yeah, I bet. Um, and the way it's set up is, like, really nonsensical. It's just, like, these twisting random paths that go through it. Like, it wasn't planned at all. Mm-hmm. Like, there are random dead ends, which makes it, like, kind of spookier. Like a maze. Yeah, it really is. Graves. Raze, maze of graves. <laughs> Grave maze. Rave. Okay. Merch. <laughs> Alright, so like I said before, this cemetery is so much smaller than you think it is. It's less than a city block. Oh. And it's encased in like these 
probably 10 foot concrete walls so you can't even see inside oh wow and you're only allowed in with an official tour or if you're going to visit a family member makes sense yeah which they started that i think in 2015 because of graffiti and vandalism but also because of the way it's set up there was a fuck ton of crime in there it's very easy to hide and pop (gasps) out oh my goodness yeah yeah that's crazy i know so interesting right and plus if a lot of tourists go there that's a really good way to mug people oh definitely um, so, also, on the tops inside of a lot of the tombs, there are resurrection ferns growing. So, that's a name given to the ferns that grow out from, like, between the rocks or on mm-hmm. top of these tombs, and it's considered bad luck to pick them, and it's, like, they're oh, actually cursed. Good to know. Yeah. So, especially the ones on Voodoo Queen graves, and some aren't even ferns. Like, we saw a whole-ass tree growing out of the top of one. <gasps> that's amazing. So, a lot of these tombs also had, like, a lot of weird and unique markings so that family members could identify them because it was, a lot of them were made before people could read. Oh, wow. So, there were a lot of people who still couldn't read but wanted to go see their families. So, in this particular cemetery, there are graves of pirates, politicians, a lot of which were corrupt back then. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage, murderers, Wait. voodoo... Yeah, that's right, Nicholas Cage. What? <laughs> I was hoping you would catch that. What? Yeah, that's right, guys. So, Nicholas Cage has a really weird relationship with New Orleans. Yes, I know that because yep. of my research. Yeah, you're going to talk about him yes. too, I guess. <laughs> oh my goodness. As soon as you told me what place you were doing your episode on, I was like, dude, yeah, you got to talk you about like, Cage. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas motherfucking Cage. So... Obviously, this cemetery is so old, it has not been accepting, like, new tombs being constructed in fucking decades. Yeah. Nicolas Cage begged and pleaded to get his tomb put there for when he eventually dies, and he had to donate, like, so much money, so much money to the cemetery to be able to do this, but he has a giant pyramid-shaped tomb. Oh, God. It's hideous. It's so out of place. He's so annoying. What a fucking narcissist. Yes. That's the only movie he, like, anybody knows of him, I feel like. What? I don't know, that pyramid movie. (laughs) National Treasure? Yes. The other movie that I can quote word for word? I've done it. Nick was terrified. (laughs) I don't like Nicolas Cage, so I don't I don't blame you. (laughs) I mean, National Treasure is a fantastic movie. He will be buried there one day. That's so weird. His tomb is currently there. So we've got him, pirates, politicians, murderers, voodoo queens, and actually Homer Plessy of the Plessy versus Ferguson separate but equal trial. Oh. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, So yeah, there's a little bit of everybody. There are still burial ceremonies there to this day, like I said. Overall, there are about 700 tombs and over 100,000 remains and counting. They're still doing funerals. People are still being buried That's there. Crazy. And it's, again, in less than the size of a city block. That's crazy. I thought that's pretty cool. So that being said, this is one of the most haunted cemeteries in the United States because, honestly, it's had 200 years to accumulate ghosts. And a lot of them around there were rough people. Like I said, New Orleans has seen some fucking shit. Uh, so there's just a lot of, like, generic trauma going on there. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that there are ghosts going on there. Oh, yeah. Also, just kind of a thought I had while doing this research, when I know we were talking about moving the bones earlier, Mm -hmm. and how people being buried in these tombs know that that's going to happen, but I wonder if there's, like, some disturbed resting place going on there. Oh, I'm sure. You know, if some 
Some ghosts are pissed about it. I mean, like you said, they what they began doing was just sweeping the bones mm-hmm. back. Like, that's kind of fucked up. Kind it's of. like, move out of the way, bitch. We got a new dead one. Can you imagine the stank, though, when you open those Ugh. things? All right, so that's St. Louis number one. There's also St. Louis number two and three, which are right around the corner and up the street from number one. Two was built in the 1800s after a huge yellow fever outbreak and a fuck ton of people were dead. And the third one was built on top of an old leprosy colony. Just like, you know, fun facts. Wow. Um, So they're also really old and very cool. Um, But you actually don't need a tour guide for those two. Um, And those two are a little bit bigger and a little bit more open space. They're not Mm -hmm. as tightly packed as number one. But still really cool. And when Nick and I went there, as soon as we went in, I was like, okay, let's play a game. The first person to find their birthday on a tomb wins. So we went through all of the first, or like all of... St. Louis number two, mm-hmm. didn't find anything. We got really close to mine a couple times. And then we went to St. Louis number three, we didn't find anything. So we were on our way out to go find our friends who were somewhere else. And on our way out, I just happened to glance over and see this guy's tomb. He was born on my birthday and died on Halloween. <gasps> it was awesome! That's crazy! <laughs> don't ask me to pronounce his name. It was French, and I took Spanish, so I don't know. Um, Alright, so... That's just, like, the rundown of the cemeteries, and especially St. Louis number 1. And now, I'm sure you'd love to hear some ghost stories, right? Oh, 100%. I'm 100%. so excited. 100%. So, there are three major famous ghosts in the good old St. Louis numero uno. The first and foremost, my girl, Marie Laveau. Oh, The yes. voodoo queen of New mm-hmm. Orleans. Which, one day, she will probably get her own episode I love her. I was yeah. very excited to see her tomb and to see, like, she has a... Uh, Marie Laveau's House of Voodoo yep. on Bourbon Street. We went there. Side note, I have horrible luck just in general, like my whole life. So I went there, spent lots of time and lots of money picking out just the right, like, handmade voodoo doll for good luck. Mm-hmm. And then somehow when we got back to the hotel, it wasn't in my bag. Ugh. Like, that was the only thing that fell out of my bag, was the thing I spent money on to have good luck. And the universe still said, no. <laughs> Pissed. That's fucked up. I named him Pins and Needles Aww. when he was gone. Anyway, so, back to Marie Laveau. She was the voodoo queen of New Orleans, also an herbalist and a midwife. She was famous then, she's famous now. She knew everybody in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, currently her shop sits on Bourbon Street, like I said. So she would heal people, oversee spiritual rites, create charms and potions, that kind of thing. So remember when I mentioned there being symbols on the graves? Yeah. Okay. So if you see a tomb with sets of three X's all over it, mm-hmm. it means that that tomb belonged to a voodoo priest or priestess. Ooh. So it's said that you can gain the favor of a voodoo practitioner from the grave if you leave offerings of like coins and herbs and beans and bones and bags and flowers and stuff. Um, draw three X's on the tombs and knock. It's, some people think that if you draw the X's in your blood, it works better. Like, it's, it's more like, like, if you just kind of prick your finger and yeah, do it probably. in blood. Yeah, so, um, so you just kind of, like, ask them for a favor, tell them what you need help with, and maybe it'll happen. PSA, this is graffiti, you're not allowed to do it, but obviously people do it anyway. Mm. So I would do it in, like, chalk or something, so it would wash off. Yeah, the, honestly, which... Marie Laveau's grave is obviously covered in groups of these red X's, and the whole front of her grave is just, like, covered in offerings. Mm-hmm. And it was actually, that was one of the reasons that they stopped allowing people to visit without a tour. Yeah. Because she had the second most visited grave in the United States right behind Elvis Presley. 
Isn't that That's isn't so that cool? weird? Because <laughs> his is like at like a theme park or something. Like, yes. what is Graceland? Is Graceland? I know that's like his know, home, but, but I'm I don't know convinced why go. that Elvis Presley is not dead. He's actually a caretaker for his museum down there. I would love to hear that story one day. I will tell Didn't you. Didn't he die like on the toilet? Yeah, he had an that's aneurysm. That's embarrassing. I'm it's sorry. so sad. Sorry, Ellie. Like knowing that you could die on the shitter one day, that's sad. And Sometimes scary. I think about that. I'm like, what if I get murdered in the shower and then like people have to find me and like like when you die, is that your ghost outfit forever? You better be wearing comfy shit. Or just die naked. Well, no, see, what I'm saying <laughs> is I don't want that because how embarrassing. Someone comes in and finds your stabbed up naked body. Do not perceive me. So you're telling me just dress comfortable for the rest of your life. Yeah, do you see how I'm dressed right now? This is ideal. Yeah, same. <laughs> Stop. I hate that shirt. <laughs> and by hate, I mean love. I want one. If y'all must know, it's a shirt with my uncle on it from the 80s and he's only wearing tidy whities and he's on, <laughs> on a, a boat, boat drinking a beer. <laughs> With an afro and glasses. Anyways. <laughs> Honestly, chef's kiss art. It is. All right, so that's my girl Marie Laveau. She's going to get her own episode one day. Oh, definitely. Um, Ghost-wise, she's been said to take the form of a black cat and roam the cemetery and the surrounding area at night, which I read a few kind of really short stories, like, you know, three-sentence blurbs of, I saw a black cat in the cemetery. But this was a really good one that I fucking loved reading. So this was a girl that just wrote her name as Sarah, wrote her story into Enola magazine about her experience. So in her story, she was visiting the city with some friends, and while they were on Basin Street, and it was right around sunset, so it was starting to get dark, they saw a black cat. And being like me, TM, they followed it, trying to pet it. Oh, uh, yeah. Because yeah. they, like, you know, three girls, they're like, oh, look, a kitty. Let's yeah, I would do that, yeah. We absolutely would. Oh, yeah. So it kept walking away from them and kind of led them around the corner and right through the gates of St. Louis number one. So she actually said in her little submission, she was like, haha, we thought it was so funny. Like, so hilarious, a black cat leading us into a cemetery. What a coincidence. How spooky, LOL. But then once they got really close to the cat, it dipped around the corner of a tomb, and almost immediately, a dark hand reached around the corner of the tomb and held the corner. So Sarah said it felt like time just froze and I couldn't move or react. And then a long, dark, flowing figure stepped out from behind the tomb. And she said it felt dreamlike and not quite real, but her friend pulled on her arm and it kind of, like, broke her out of a mm -hmm. trance. And then, obviously, they ran like hell, and when they got far enough away, they were all fucking shaking and looking at each other with that kind of, like, yo, did you see that too kind of look. And yeah. they all just, they were all completely freaked out, That gives of me course. the chills. Yeah. And she said that later she had nightmares about it, like, for weeks. <gasps> oh, like, she, she couldn't sleep. Like, she would see it everywhere she went. Oh, yeah. And, like, every time she tried to sleep. And then later on in their trip, when they were on Bourbon Street, and they were just, like, vibing on Bourbon Street, and they passed Marie Laveau's House of Voodoo, her friend gasped and said, that was the name on the grave where that thing was. Oh. So they didn't know anything about that part of New Orleans. Yeah. Like, I'm a based on this i'm assuming they just went down to like fucking party hardy and have a good time mm -hmm. and they didn't know anything about who she was then they didn't notice until they were passing marie laveau's house of voodoo and her friend freaked out and they were like no way so they did some googling found out who marie laveau was and then they then they found out that she sometimes appears as a black cat oh my goodness and then they were freaked out and she said that they don't even like to talk about it very much because most people that they've told obviously don't believe them and when she tells the story she just gets really freaked out again girl we believe you we believe you 
But yeah, so that was like one of my favorite stories of that whole thing because that's something that would happen to me. I would definitely follow a cat. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, we. I'd would. be like, I would "Hello, do. little kitten, I trust you," and then, then I would die. <laughs> okay, so that's her appearing as a black cat. But when appearing in human form, she's often recognized by wearing a knotted red scarf. And some people say she wears it over her hair like a headscarf, and sometimes mm-hmm. she's wearing it just like a regular scarf. Uh, she's sometimes been seen walking the streets of the city, especially near her old home on Ann Street. But once someone recognizes her or starts to follow her, she vanishes. Ooh. So, which I mean, come on. A ghost who values privacy. We stand. We love her. We stand. Uh, so one specific story, which was also really short. This woman lived in New Orleans her whole life, and she saw Marie's spirit walking down the street one night like in the dark Mm -hmm. and she just stopped and watched her for a while and then actually called out is that really you miss laveau oh my goodness and the ghost turned towards her gave her a little smile and just (gasps) vanished why i feel like i I would i feel like i would love this woman yeah i just feel like if like we were around during her time we i would just fucking love her i i'm really gonna do an entire episode on her because she really is amazing she has such an interesting story and Mm -hmm. by all accounts everyone loved her but do not fucking cross her i get such a like comfortable vibe from her don't even do you don't even know what story i'm about to tell next emily (laughs) oh my god (laughs) all right okay so we're just gonna keep pressing on because i want you to hear this next story holy shit Okay, so, like I said, several accounts have stated that her spirit sends a wave of emotion over you, and it can differ based on they think what kind of person you are. So there are people who think that, like, if you believe in the voodoo practice, you'll feel drawn in and warmed by her spirit, but other people claim to have, like, a feeling of dread wash over them, which I feel is kind of standard for ghostliness, so that might just kind of be the default, but if you're, like interested in or believe in voodoo it's much more comforting so it's so weird that you just said that dude dude (laughs) i think it's because like i 100 percent believe in that shit like even voodoo i don't really know anything about it but i 100 percent believe it yeah and i just feel yeah i just i don't know i feel i get a comfortable vibe from her yeah (laughs) so listen to this story so this was uh i found this on reddit and it was written by a man who visited the cemetery with his girlfriend in 2008. So it's when it was still open to the public and you didn't need a tour guide. Mm-mm. So he said that they went right before closing and they got there just in time. And that there was nobody else there and it was really quiet. And he said it was, quote, really neat. And he talked <laughs> about how he wasn't really interested in that kind of thing, but his girlfriend really wanted to yeah. go. Yeah, okay. So he was like, whatever, you know, I'll, like, no big deal, but it's actually pretty neat in here. Uh, So he said that while they were visiting, his girlfriend was, like, super jumpy because even though she was really interested in all that spiritual stuff and, like, loved the voodoo thing, she was, quote, really scared of that shit. Which, same. That's a mood. Yeah, Yeah, that's relatable. So after being in the cemetery for a while and checking things out, his girlfriend kept, like, looking over her shoulder the whole time. She was really jumpy. And then suddenly she just said, who was that? And he, like, whirled around, and there was someone walking between the tombs. Uh-huh. And it was, like, like I said, they're so densely packed. If someone's on the other side, you just see them through the gap yeah, for, like, a went, second. Yeah. So they kept giving little glimpses of whoever this person was in this figure. Mm-hmm. And he said that later, his girlfriend mentioned that once she saw the figure, she actually felt an immediate sense of calm and comfort as if whoever was there was there to help or protect them. I love so it. So she had been feeling really jumpy and nervous, but, like, excited yeah. at the same time. And then she saw that figure, which you would think if you're jumpy, seeing something like that 
would, would be worse. Out, yeah. But she immediately felt comforted and was like, oh, it's okay, this person's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he said that he felt the complete opposite and was immediately on high alert and felt, quote, like a caged animal in the cemetery and he wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. But he could only stand there as, like, the figure kept moving around the tombs mm-hmm. and, like, he couldn't get a good look at whoever it was yeah. because you could only see him for a second, but it seemed to be all around them simultaneously. Like, there's no way you got from there to there that quick. Yeah, yeah. So he felt really caged in. Um, so after a minute, he took her hand and started leading her out of the cemetery, but she didn't want to go. She wanted to stay and see who it was. Mm-hmm. But he just dragged her out because he felt like they were in danger and was like, we're getting out of here right now. That's so crazy. And then once they stepped outside the gate, the feeling of fear completely left him, but his hands kept shaking for hours afterwards. Like, he could not get rid of it. Yeah. And then when he asked his girlfriend if she got a good look at who it was, she she said, yeah, it was just a woman in a headscarf. Oh my god. So, like, holy shit, it's Marie Laveau, bitch! I want to go there just so I can, like, tell her that I love her. Yeah, and and, and people do. And the shit out of her. And people do. You know, on two different occasions, her tomb has been painted, painted, like, bubblegum pink. Why? Uh, people are assholes. What the fuck? Right? (laughs) Uh, she's also been known to perform ceremonies with her followers on St. John's Eve every year, and people have said that they heard chanting coming from inside the cemetery on those nights, which I think is very cool. I couldn't find a specific story about that, but I thought it was interesting. And one last story about her, just because it's so wild and I loved it. Uh, one woman shared a story that said happened to her father when he lived in New Orleans as a teenager, that he and some friends decided to go leave an offering for Marie at her tomb and ask her a favor. But right after they laid down their offerings and put the three red X's on the tomb, one of the friends with him gasped and started to grab at his side, where he lifted up his shirt and saw three red X's scratched onto his skin. Oh. Yeah, and that's the only story like that that I've seen. But he said they all freaked out and ran, and they couldn't decide if they had, like, offended her in some way Mm -hmm. or if... That was actually just her way of saying that, yeah, favor granted, dude, but, like, at a price. You know what? Yeah. Like, I got you, fam, but I'm gonna scratch you. Yeah, like, this is your reminder that yeah. I got you. Yeah. Hmm. So, that's my girl Marie Laveau. I'm sure there are a million more stories about her, but I didn't want to take up all the time just talking about her. One day I will give her a whole episode because I love her. One more ghost who I think, well, I have two more, but this one's also, I think, really interesting. So this is a less famous but very active ghost at St. Louis number one, and his name is Henry Vignet. Ooh. I had to ask my friend how to pronounce that because it is spelled like Vignes. But I ate beignets while I was there, so I know (laughs) things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he was a 19th century sailor and traveler, but he had a place in New Orleans at a boarding house for some time while he was in the city. So I'm assuming his family was like from the area, but he was like kind of a nomad. So he was really worried about some of the documents he had and he didn't want to take them with him on his travels. So he asked the owner of the boarding house to keep them safe for him. And the Mm -hmm. owner was like, yeah, sure, bro, I got you. So these documents included the paperwork for his family's tomb in New Orleans. So while he was on his journey, that bastard owner sold his family's tomb. I saw that coming. Yep. And when he came back from sea, obviously he was fucking devastated. And he tried everything he do- he could to try to get them back, but he couldn't. And unfortunately, he did not know how soon he would be needing it. Oh, shit. Because <laughs> he died almost immediately after. Oh, that fucking um, sucks. When there was a big yellow fever outbreak, fucking died Rip Henry. And since he didn't have any legal connection to a family tomb and didn't have much money of his own, he was buried in an unmarked grave in the pauper section of the St. Louis Number 1. And he is clearly not 
happy about that it. That is so sad. That's really yo, fuck that owner, bro. Yeah, who is he? Let's fuck him up. His name is Doucheface McDouchington. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so some ghost stories about Henry. Generally, they're just kind of stories that say he wanders the cemetery looking really out of place and lost. Mm. And he will ask people if they know where the Vignet family tomb is. Um, he's turned up to funerals for other people and apparently even asked if there was any room in there for him. Oh my goodness, that makes me so sad. Right? Poor guy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, a ghost hunting group got a really good EVP while trying to contact him with a desperate voice saying, I need to rest. Oh. Yeah. All right, so there's only one really good story that I came across for him, which was actually told to us by the tour guide mm -hmm. at St. Louis number one, and I fucking remember it. So I don't remember it word for word, but basically one of the other tour guides was closing up for the day and making rounds just to be sure that there was nobody left in the cemetery. And she was surprised to find that someone was still there, seeming to have snuck past, like, the tour guides at the gate. And she said he was leaning with his forehead pressed against a tomb, slowly punching on it with his fist, as if in mourning. So because of that, she assumed that he was, like, a family member yeah. and that he was just in mourning and that he was allowed to be there. Mm -hmm. But she called out that they were closing the gate, so he needed to leave for now. And as soon as he heard her voice, he turned to her with yellowed eyes and gaunt skin and was staring at her and said, where is mine? Aww. Can you imagine? That's scary, but that also I feel bad. <laughs> um, so before she could respond, he turned and walked around the corner of a tomb, and when she went to follow him, he was gone. Uh, she asked the other tour guides at the front gate if they'd seen him leave, but they hadn't, so they all checked every corner of that cemetery to get him out, but they didn't find anyone. And one of the other tour guides told her, hey, I think you just met Henry. Aww. Isn't that sad? That is so sad. I mean, I'd be scared shitless, too, if I saw him, but also, that's just really sad. I would pee my pants. Oh, definitely. I think I might number two my pants. <laughs> I will do a poopy my pants. <laughs> All right, so that's my man, Harry Vignet. I think he's very interesting. Uh, my last one is a guy named Alphonse. Ooh. So there's not much historical information on him, but there are a lot of ghostly stories. It's thought that he was murdered by someone in the Pined family. P-I-N-E-A-D. Pined. Pined. Pined family. Because on many occasions, if someone comes close to the Pined family tomb, he warns them to stay back. Mm. One specific story, which also we heard on the tour, was of a little girl who was at the cemetery with, like, on a tour with her family. And when they got near the Pined family tomb, the girl got closer to inspect some of the nice little resurrection ferns that were growing on it. And by the tour guide's account, the girl suddenly jumped backwards and fell and started to cry. And she said that she felt a man yell in her ear to get back. And it scared her when it Aww. happened. And she started calling her mother a liar because her mother said that there was no one there. <laughs> I thought that was really scary. Like, can you imagine you're just a little girl oh. checking something out and you just hear a man scream in your ear and everyone around you said no one was there? That is so crazy. Poor gal. Um, another really short story about him was actually from a groundskeeper at the cemetery who had a full conversation with the guy. Uh, not knowing it was him. Nice. So he said he was on his hands and knees pulling weeds, and a man walking through the cemetery stopped and said, you'll watch out for these folks, won't you? Can turn your back on them for a second? No, sir. Nice. And the groundskeeper looked up and saw the Pined family tomb and basically said something like, oh, you know them? And the ghost said, hardly then, but I do now. What the fuck? Right? And then when the groundskeeper looked up again, the man was gone. So, also, a, a wonderful fact about this ghost is he has been known to take flowers from other graves and put them on his own. <laughs> I fucking love that guy. I stand. 
<laughs> what an awesome guy. It's like writing yourself fan mail. Wait, it's like that girl from The Bachelor who forgot to switch to her fake fan account and, like, commented on her own post, like, hyping herself up. Oh, no. So fucking funny. All right, so Marie, Henry, and Alphonse, my three main ghosts from St. Louis, number one, spooked up and having a good time. I loved it. In the good old cities of the dead. Sorry if I overexplained some things or I went on forever. I just get super jazzed about them. That just made me want to go even more. <laughs> we like puns. All right, so that's my really long one. I am... Yeah, yeah I mean, you were very, like, in-depth with the... Who, me? With the, about the graves and stuff. So that was really interesting. I would love to talk more about them. I could literally talk about them forever. I love it. But I would love to hear about your story, which I don't know as much about, so I'm excited to hear. I went into detail. I'm excited. Tell me more. Okay. So, here we go. I'm ready. Start. Um, so, when I was looking up, like, some ideas, because I don't know New Orleans like you do, I was mm-hmm. like, I came across a woman named Madame Delphine LaLaurie. Yes. And I was like, okay, this... This lady seems interesting, uh, and then I read more into it, and she's a complete fucking crazy psycho bitch, but anyway, so my first story is about her, and um, her life, and the crazy shit she's done, uh, but anyway, let's get into it. So, Marie Delphine, she was formerly known as Marie Delphine McCarty, on March 19th, 1787 was when she was born, and she was born into a wealthy family in New Orleans. And her family was super wealthy, and all, like, the men in her family had military backgrounds, and her father, Louis Bartholomew de McCarty, was knighted as the Chevalier of the Royal and Military Order of St. Louis. So, obviously, they came from money. That's a lot of French words in there. That's a lot of words. (laughs) By 1774, a little while before she was born, her family already had, like, over 1,000 acres of plantation. Oh, damn. Yeah, and her mother hosted a ton of parties, and these parties went on, like, all night. I love that. And they would do crazy things, like, they would jump into the canal on their property, (laughs) and then people would steal the clothes of the male guests that jumped in, and... This would force them to go home in bare feet and nightshirts. Hey, they did that in Bob's Burgers, too. <laughs> Maybe that's where they got it from. I bet they did. I bet <gasps> they studied this lady. <laughs> but anyway, her mom died sort of early in her life. She died in 1807, and that kind of led her father to start a relationship with another woman named Sophie Moussant, who Ooh. was a free quadroon. So I had to look up what quadroon is, and a quadroon is someone who was one quarter black by descent. Marie Lavelle was the same. Yep. And then they went on to have a daughter named Delphine Emezi McCarty, and Marie Delphine was the godmother. So I guess that's kind of why they took her name. Okay. I get that. Um, and... Unfortunately for Delphine, she was married, I mean, I guess this was common back then, but she was married to her first husband at 14. Ugh. And he was 35. Ew. Yeah. And he was also a widow, so. (laughs) A widower, you say, for a man. A widower. I don't know. It's just. He was widowed. Yeah. And his name was Ramon Lopez E. Angelo de la Candelaria. That's just too many names. (laughs) And he was an officer of the Spanish crown and second in command to the Louisiana governor. So, obviously, 
She married into money. Yep. What else is new? That's kind of what they do. They married in 1800, and five years later, Ramon made Delphine a mother, and then a widow. Oh. <laughs> Delphine was in Havana waiting for him to come get her, because he, because of his job, he did a lot of, um, like, going across to Spain, and, you know, a lot of time, he spent mm-hmm. a lot of time on ships. <laughs> so she was waiting for him in Havana, um, and she was heavily pregnant, and he had boarded a ship in Bordeaux, and on January 11th, 1805, his ship hit a sandbar off the shores of Havana, and he was killed. Oh, rip. Yeah. I mean, he was literally in Havana. <laughs> like, and he just fucking died. My heart is in Havana. Ooh, nah, nah. We're gonna get sued. I hate that bitch. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> come here, don't come for us. <laughs> come for me, I don't care. <laughs> sound like a really shitty dom. Come <laughs> for me, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry, I went there, okay? <laughs> so, shortly after her husband died, Delphine gave birth to a daughter, and her name was Marie Delphine Francisca Borja Lopez E. Angelo de la Candelaria. <laughs> no one calls Esteban Julio <laughs> Ricardo Montoya de la Rosa Ramirez a future. <laughs> I can't. Sorry that I just yelled disgustingly. <laughs> yeah, that was really... Whatever. I was about to just... Esteban Julio Ricardo. How could you not? Like, you know... You must. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, she returned to New Orleans with her daughter with a very long name. No one's name. got the time. <laughs> and at this time, New Orleans was no longer under Spanish or French rule and was now owned by America. Fuck yeah. So on Delphine's 20th birthday, which was March 19th, 1807, and only a few weeks after her mother died, she married an older Frenchman named Jean-Paul Blanc. It's a much more usable name. (laughs) And Delphine's mother um, left her quite an inheritance, and it's kind of believed that Jean-Paul saw this as an opportunity. Uh Uh-huh. Which makes a lot of sense. Shakes fist at sky. (laughs) Man. (laughs) And by 1815, Delphine now had five children. Uh, John Paul passed away at the age of uh, 50. Oh, dang. And Delphine at that time was only 28. So now she had two dead husbands, five children, and she was only 28. That's troubling. Delphine, I'm real sorry for you, but also I know what kind of shit you get up to later, so I'm not that sorry. Yeah, you'll feel sorry at first, Mm -hmm. but... Don't fall into her her victim trap, okay? Oh, definitely not. So, in 1825, Dr. Louis Lalaurie, which is where she's going to get her name, uh, came from France to start a sort of, like, chiropractic practice where he would, like, straighten crooked backs. Hey! (laughs) Where was he when I needed him? Dead, bro. (laughs) For um, an information I... I had really bad scoliosis, but I had surgery. We're fine now. But maybe I needed this guy to straighten my back. <laughs> and so in 1826, um, Delphine had brought one of her children to him, and that's how they met. Um, and I guess it was love at first sight. I don't know. She was now 38, with two dead husbands, five children, and quite a bit of wealth. Hell yeah. And um, she... Take the kids out of that, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> she pretty quickly became pregnant with Dr. Lollery's child, out of wedlock. Ooh. So that was no good. That was a no-no. Oh, girl, can't do that. Um, so they pretty quickly negotiated a marriage contract after the birth of her sixth child, and by this time she was 40, and she had married Dr. Lalaurie, who was 
25. Oh, girl. Oh, yeah, girl. Now okay. She, now she's a MILF. Okay. I don't hate that. She was into DILFs, but now she's a MILF. <laughs> she just refuses to date anyone in her age range. <laughs> yeah. Steadfastly a no. All right. We see you. And apparently they fought a lot, and Delphine was apparently really, really cruel to her slaves, which we'll get into now. Yeah, we sure will. So, put on your seatbelts, because this is wild. Click. I'm ready. <laughs> so, in 1831, uh, Madame Delphine LaLaurie purchased a lot that is now called, it's now on Governor Nichols, and has been the, become the infamous haunted LaLaurie mansion. Yeah. And on April 10th of 1834, a fire broke out inside the home of Delphine and her now estranged husband. So they had been fighting so much and now it was kind of like this dude just didn't want to be in her life anymore because he was like, okay, you're really fucking crazy and really, you torture your slaves. Uh, So he was not about that. I get that. And so this fire broke out and... Seven slaves were rescued from very deplorable conditions and quoted as their bodies covered with scars and loaded with chains. Oh my god. When people found out how she had been treating her slaves, a mob formed and they destroyed the furnishings in the home. I, okay, so here's the thing. I want to say that it's, I'm glad that they were pissed that she was treating them that way, but is that not just how slaves were often treated? Like, I feel like that was, I mean, I could be really wrong. This was in 1834, so I feel like they were... It was later. A bit more, because, especially because I think her, you know, her father ended up marrying um, a woman that was part black by descent. okay, right, okay. So I think by now, like, we are not history buffs, my friends. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think by now, it was like, okay, you still have slaves, but you can't treat them like absolute shit. But you have to treat them like people. For the most part. I mean, they're still slaves. But... (laughs) Right. That's what I'm saying, is, like, I'm glad that people were pissed, but, like, you're pissed that she's mean to her slaves, but you're fine with her having slaves? Like, where... Where's the boundary, There just isn't. (laughs) Alright, well... But anyway, a bunch of people were pissed off, like, and decided to go into whatever was left of her home and destroy all her furnishings. And Judge Jacques-Francois Canonge was one of... I took eight years of French. (laughs) He was one of the first to arrive at the fire because he was like their neighbor. And someone had told him about the people that she had held captive. And um, he had asked Delphine if he could get them like taken to safety. And apparently she replied, there are those who would be better employed if they would attend to their own affairs instead of officiously intermeddling with the concerns of other people. Wow. So this lady didn't give a shit. Yeah. Hey, stop beating your slaves. Mind your business, bro. Okay, well. Pretty much. And rescuers had found a 70-year-old slave woman trapped in the kitchen during the fire because she was chained up (gasps) while LaLaurie was busy trying to save her furniture and valuables. Of course. So while these people are chained up and cannot escape the fire, this woman is like, oh shit, better get my diamonds and my nice couch. (laughs) Oh, how we've come full circle. You'd think it would be different in the year 2021 that human lives would be more valuable than material goods and buildings and furniture, but we have children in cages. And, um, ACAB. Yep. Anyways, 
Do you find the cause in this? <laughs> like I said, the mob burst into the house to destroy things, and some people claimed that her victims were just horribly mutilated. Ugh. And some people were suspended by their neck, or their extremities were stretched and torn. <gasps> oh my god, why? Yes. It's because you're mad. You can't it's keep a man? Yeah. What the fuck? And you gotta take care of all those children now? So days after the fire, it was reported that one of the slaves saved from the fire did not survive, and there were also re- bones reportedly recovered from LaLaurie's courtyard, and it was documented that one of the set of bones that were found were those of a young slave girl that Madame Delphine had chased straight out a window. <gasps> what? Allowing her to fall to her death, and then she just buried her on the property. Oh my god. And she actually, I read that, this had made it to court. Yeah. They were like, oh, you did do this. But, you know, she was wealthy and right. this was a little slave girl and no one seemed to give a shit. Again, you would think 200 years later things would be different. No. That history repeats itself. And Kendrick Johnson, that. am I right? <sighs> Don't even get me started. I know, I won't get started. <laughs> so I thought for this next part I would give a trigger warning because it is pretty gory. I'm going to describe some of the things that the people that found the slaves saw, what kind of conditions they were in. So there were obviously many, many stories of what LaLaurie was doing to her slaves. And apparently they had, she had drilled holes through their skulls of her slaves and had their limbs broken and reset in unnatural positions. What? Um, There were allegedly a slave found with their skin pulled back to reveal the tissue and muscle underneath. Whoa. I... Yeah. Uh, what? I do want to say, like, <laughs> this is kind of, This is... I mean, it's on topic, but it's... It's stupid, but I'm Us just going to say topic? it anyway. <laughs> so, back, um, like, way before this, like, when Michelangelo was around and everything... Yeah. Um, you know how they studied, like, how they studied, like, human anatomy and veins and stuff and, like how they drew it out, they actually yeah. used cadavers. Yeah. So they basically did, like, you know, they would peel back the skin, you know, and draw what they saw, and that's how, you know, we got here. Yeah, but that was on dead people who yeah. died naturally for the sake of science and art. Yeah. This is you being a fucked up piece of shit and wanting to hurt someone because you can't keep a man. Yeah, just for absolute no fucking reason. There's also another story... That has been told that there was a slave that had his intestines removed from his body and wrapped around his waist. Oh, God, can you imagine how painful any of this is? It's like, why? Like, like obviously, she just really enjoyed torture. That's really upsetting. Um, It's so fucked up. And disgusting. There are people like that. So, like, what is wrong with your brain? Well, I know what's wrong with your brain, but, like, why would... Especially considering, like, by all means, she didn't really grow up in an environment that was, like, totally traumatic and terrible. Right. So it's kind of like, oh, like, when we think about, like, murderers and people like that, we do think, oh, like, it's nature and nurture. It's not just one or the other. So it's kind of like she... She didn't grow up in a terribly bad, like, place. No, but if she grew up wealthy... And, you know, there's a, there's the proper society that she's living in, and then, I mean, I'm sure that's suppressing a lot of things and can lead to some frustration and wanting to be able to let things out in some way yeah. that you weren't able to express. She probably just really loved the power. 
I yeah, honestly, yep. And there's absolutely nothing. I don't care even if she did have some kind of horrible trauma. There's absolutely nothing, nothing that would make any of that any better. No. Like, a reason is not an excuse. You know? Mm-hmm. Even if there was one. So, there were also reports that she had some of the slaves covered in honey and black ants. There were also apparently live bodies that had their eyes gouged out, (gasps) fingernails torn out, ears hanging by the shred of their skin, or their mouths filled with animal poo-poo, and sewn shut. Okay, I was talking about sewing Nick's mouth shut earlier. With poo-poo in it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I can't, like, it's like the movie's saw, it's like, yeah, oh. it really is. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Jigsaw is that girl. That <laughs> Mallory. One. Yeah. Delphine. So, there were also slaves pinned to tables or put in small cages, and a lot of the stories, the rumors that I mentioned are really just hearsay and not really verified, and I mean, this happened such a long time ago, like, who the fuck knows? Right. Um. Well, that's awfully specific. Yeah. And there were prior accusations and concerns about the way that Lollery was treating her slaves. Yeah. And she was, like I said, she was brought before the criminal court once. Oh, damn. But it was absolved for lack of accusers willing to testify. Um, yeah. Which makes sense, because I'm sure a lot of people were too scared to testify because yeah. this woman had money and was and an obvious fucking, torturer. Yeah. So, the night of the fire... Uh, Lollery escaped the mob by getting into a coach led by a loyal slave, and he took her to some docks in New Orleans where she fled to Paris with Louis, her estranged husband, and her children would visit every so often. I don't think they lived in I think they stayed in New Orleans, but... Okay. Um... Her poor kids, yeah. Unless they turned out like her. Who knows? And so, Madame Lollery died in Paris on December 7th. 1849. It's also Pearl Harbor Day. Sorry. (laughs) And the cause of death was never specified. Um, Her children wrote about, like, a lingering illness that she was suffering from, but it was never really... Verified. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, no more triggering. Now we're getting into the... Now we're getting into the haunting. Um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about, like, the Lollery Mansion and... The possible goings-ons that's going on there. Yup, go give it to me. So, the Lollery Mansion is considered one of the most haunted houses in New Orleans, in the French Quarter. And there have been reports of paranormal activity in this house for, like, almost 200 years now. Yep. And this house has changed hands many times, so at one point it was, like, um, a school, and another point it was just for, like, it was a bunch of little apartments. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So there are many reports of moaning coming from the room where um, Lollery kept her slaves, and there are phantom footsteps that echo through the house, and many people that stand near the building report feeling a <laughs> negative energy take over them. And in 1894, when this building was converted to apartments, a tenant was brutally murdered in his room. Oh, shit. And his belongings were ransacked. Um, but the weird thing was there was no evidence of robbery because nothing of value was taken, and, um, one one of his friends had told the police that he believed, that the guy that died believed there was a demon in the house, and that it wasn't going to rest until he met his end. 
Holy shit. And he did. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Whole, there are so many stories like that where someone will, like, straight up say, like, yo, there is something fucked yeah. up going on yeah. and I'm going to die. And people are like, yeah, okay, it, yeah. buddy. And then they die and they're like, who, whoa, who, how could we have prevented this? Yeah, if it's crazy. If only we put our heads together. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that voice came from. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll voice act. Just kidding. <laughs> And there was also a dock worker that was living in one of the apartments, and he came home late one night, and when he began to go up to this, up the stairs towards his apartment, there was this big man just blocking his path. Ooh. It was a big African-American man that was bound in chains. And the dock worker yelled at the guy, like, move out of my fucking way. Aw, be nice to the slave. He had a horrible life. I know, and this guy's like, doesn't wonder why this man is in chains. Yeah, what anyway. the hell? You're just mad that he's in your work? Yeah, so anyway, this guy yelled at him to move, and when the man didn't budge, he tried to, like, push the guy out of the way, but his hands just passed right <gasps> through his fingers, and the spirit just dissolved into mist. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you know how bad I want someone like that to happen to me? But not when I'm by <laughs> myself. I want someone there with me. And maybe it'd be, like, a ghost like Casper or something. Yeah. Something that's not scary. More friendly. Yeah. <laughs> So, people also reported that they would wake up in the middle of the night to a woman with long red hair glaring down at them while they sleep. Ooh, did Delphine have red hair? That's a good question. Honestly, I think all the, like, portraits that I've seen of her, they're just in black and white, so I don't really, I can't tell. But, could be. Do you know how many people tell me I have red hair? Yeah, it's like strawberry blonde almost. You're welcome. (laughs) It's brown. So, um, the building was also a school for girls for a few years in the mid to late 19th century, and the school was an African-American all-girl primary school, and the young girls would approach their teachers crying, and they would have scratches and bruises on their arms, and when the teacher was like, who did that to you? They would just say, that woman. (gasps) Stop. Yeah, and people, you know, people hear chains rattling, scratching noises under the floorboards, and sometimes people reported smelling... Burning flesh. Oh! Yeah, which I can't uh. even imagine how that smells. Oh, God. I don't know. You ever been to a barbecue? (laughs) Don't smell that bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fucked up. I mean, it's terrifying when you know it's people, but, like, if you just, you just, you know, driving past the barbecue pit. Well, it's different if you smell barbecue. I don't think human flesh is going to smell like barbecue. I wouldn't know. (laughs) I've never smelled it. Anyways, that's kind of all, like, I have regarding Madame Delphine LaLaurie. Okay. In conclusion, she was a terrible bitch. She tortured a bunch of people for absolutely no fucking reason. And she had two husbands that died. You know, it do be that way sometimes. Yeah, I guess so. Do you have any more, like, ghostly stories of her? Or anything ghostly going on in her home? Or is that just kind of... Yeah, no, it's just that. It's, like, the people that stay there now, it's just, like, yeah. the constant, like, he- either hearing people moaning or, like, yeah. hearing, like, scratching from, like, under the... Like, it seems like it's coming from under the floor. Oh, you know what that is? Rats. Well, I was thinking it was the ghost of the slaves that were in her basement, but... Oh, shit! Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I forgot they are in the base. Well, I just saw a thing recently that was, like, I kept hearing, like, scratches inside the walls, so I got, like, a priest to come by and bless the house, and it turns out rats don't care if your house has been blessed by a priest. Yeah, you know what? When my mom and my dad were living in an apartment in New Jersey, 
they kept hearing scratching in the walls, and they were like, what the fuck is that? Turns out it was just a bunch of raccoons. Oh, cute. Yeah. I anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like a typical haunting going on there. I, I feel it. like um, a lot of it is quite malevolent. Yeah. Just because of what happened there. I had a bit of trouble finding, like... It, it With such a commercialized yeah. city like New Orleans, it is really hard because it, like we said before, it's one of the most haunted cities in the United States, and they know that. Yeah. And they know that that's a really big tourist draw. So when you look it up... It's just 90, a lot of tourist you, stuff. Yeah, you really have to sift through so much fucking information to find even one story. Like, it's the same, like generic paragraph recycled in every single tour guide website oh like, yeah definitely you know? so but that's why that's i fantastic. thought fantastic i didn't know that much about her i knew she was like really you know rich and fucked up and did horrible things to her slaves but i didn't realize like i didn't know to the what extent, extent yeah Ugh, that's disgusting yeah i can't oh so we were planning on each adding another little story at the end here because we each came with two stories and mm-hmm. we had two much shorter ones but our episode's pretty long right now, so... Yeah. Do you want to just kind of wrap it up here and maybe save the stories for another day? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think oh. we should end it on maybe a lighter note and yeah. uh, introduce <gasps> our new idea. Dad jokes? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we were going to have, like, dad joke intermission in between our stories, but since our episode's long as hell right now, we're just going to end with our dad jokes. I think that's a good idea. Let's get some a little bit of laughter and chuckles into this. Me, your local barbecue dad, ready with the jokes at all times. I can't. Emily, why did the mushroom go to the party? Why? Because he was a fun guy. No! Yes. Well, I got one for you. All right. What concert cost just 45 cents? I know this one. 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. I hate you. <laughs> Why are you a dad? I just am a dad. Why? All right, I've got one more for you because it's a classic and it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Why couldn't the lifeguard save the hippie at the beach? Why? <laughs> he was too far out, man. <laughs> that is <laughs> fucked up. All right. I love that. All right, we ended on a lighter note for all of you guys. We've still got more New Orleans stories we'd like to share another time, so if you guys are into the haunted locations thing... Oh, we'll definitely do a part two. Yeah, we can do a part two. Maybe even throw them up on Instagram, because they're kind of short. Yes, mine is pretty short. We'll see what goes on. Yeah, maybe do, like, an Instagram live or something. Ooh, mm. that'd be fun. Hell yeah. Anyway, right. um, catch you all on the flip side. In the meantime... Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UCF Podcast. I'll remind you every time because Love. we're literally so fucking cute. Please look at our faces and our hilarious tweets. Yeah, I mean, we just did another photo shoot not too long ago yeah. near these old graffiti tank things. Yeah, these big water tanks covered I was graffiti. freezing my ass off, but it's, it was great. It's spring, so sun's out, gun's out. You know what I'm saying? Except not really. Yesterday was 70 degrees, but tonight we're getting seven inches of snow because yeah, so, you fucking know. spring in upstate New York is gaslighting us. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, to be honest. Fucked up. I'm, I'm not really, I'm, like, really depressed. <laughs> My seasonal depression left, but it came back. See, I just get the regular depression, and you stack on <laughs> coronavirus depression, and then you stack on, like, seasonal depression, and you just hit the triple threat. That's a mood! Mood! Oh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, follow us over on Graham Central Station and the Tweeter Totter, and... We'll see you next time. Stay spooky, my friends.